What's up, Mike Conley, Standout Truck King, Marketing and Cupcakes podcast, where we make marketing simple. We teach it in simple, bite-sized ways. I have the man, the legend, the godfather of radio ads, <laughs> John Sortino, who's one of my mentors, great marketing mind, great business mind. We're blessed to have him teach us some stuff on this podcast. How you doing, John? Even by Tonyo. I'm doing great. So, John, I, I'm going to just jump right in like we normally do. I sent you a, a, a text the other day saying, hey, I have a lot of people that always ask about finding their audience. And we talk about, you know, who your audience, your product services are. But I wanted to ask you, I wanted your opinion on how do you find, how does someone find an audience for their products and services? Let's let's talk about that today. All right, Mike. Um, so, um I think we need to define audience. So I defined audience by myself. Um, we, you know, we talk a little bit about the market, and the market is, the market is the general audience. So if you were in the gift market, your general audience would be people that buy gifts. All right. Mm -hmm. But you couldn't. I mean, all around the world, people buy gifts. So to reach out to everybody in the world to buy your get is really not sensible. And expensive. Yeah, and expensive. It's, you know, so many people think if I could only get on Oprah back where Oprah was on. And, you know, you don't really want that. Um, what you want to do is you want to learn how to build your customers within your market. So I'm going to define audience as your potential customers or your customers okay all right so uh in my case with the vermont teddy bear company i thought my audience was people who buy teddy bears uh, now the people who buy teddy bears the total audience in the united states of people who buy teddy bears is to teddy bears, okay, not all toys, just teddy bears, is probably under 600 million, maybe 500 million, right? And, but I still thought, and I didn't know any better because I, you know, I didn't look at market and things like that really well. Uh, so I really tried to sell my teddy bears to people who bought teddy bears. I sold them. On my cart, I sold them in department stores like Macy's in New York City, Lord and Taylor. One of, uh, I think they just closed. Um, uh, Neiman Mar. I sold my teddy bears to places like that. What I learned was that when your product is on a shelf of a retail store, no matter where it is, no matter what it is, if it could be a food or, you know, a commercial item like my teddy bears. You're responsible for moving the stuff off the shelf. So while the cost, all the company's doing is saying, all right, I'll give you a little shelf space. All right. And um, for everything, you know, and I'll, I'll pay you this amount for, you know, the bears. And if they don't sell, I'm going to send them all back. So I went through that process and uh, I really thought that's where I was headed. Until one of my board members said, you know, John, and I said this before, 
the one thing you're doing correctly is you're selling teddy bears during Valentine's Day. And what I was selling during Valentine's Day were gifts, people buying teddy bears for other people. And I did that on the radio site on scene. So they suggested that I, I take that concept and, and run with it. So I advertised in New York City uh, and I took the $50,000 that they loaned me to advertise on two of the biggest radio stations in the country. And um, my sales went through the roof. I couldn't, um, I really couldn't answer the phones. Wow. So you, you you almost kind of like defined your own audience as, and I used to, you told me this before, um, really men looking for gifts for that significant other. So you, you narrowed that 500 million down to people specifically looking for a certain type gift. No. I knew I how did it work. I didn't I didn't think that anybody was buying teddy bears. Okay. I was on in the teddy bear market. In my audience, in my market, I said were men like myself who had to buy a gift for their wife or girlfriend or daughter for Valentine's Day. Okay. Which is way different than selling teddy bears. When you're selling teddy bears to the teddy bear market, you're like you know, there's a lot of teddy bear collectors and people who like teddy bears, you know, and they, um, you, you, but, but I think even, even out of that 600 million, I bet you 400 of that million were people buying teddy bears as a gift. We know what it was buying teddy bears for themselves. And once I realized that I changed my market to the gift market away from the toy market. And within the gift market, I define my audience on Valentine's Day, my potential customers, as men who needed to buy a gift for someone they cared about for Valentine's Day. And myself being a man, no man likes to do that two or three days in advance. They like to do it a couple of days in advance. You know, they, they, they just, I mean, I'm, there's a lot of men that do it earlier. Don't get me wrong. But most men buy very close to Valentine's Day. And and that's good for you too, because that would have been it was it would have been a sense of urgency. So they it wasn't, you know, that'll be the time for them to buy that beer right then. It wouldn't they wouldn't wait. No, they didn't all they cared about is how much it cost in writing a message. That's all they cared about. You know. If you think about Valentine's Day, do you care about it anymore, Mike? I mean, no, it's, it's just getting getting the gift in a timely fashion, make, making sure it's there. For the, for the, or it's there, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, okay, let's, let's flip it up. What if someone had like a, what, what, what if someone was like a plumber or a photographer? Like, right, I'm going to talk, talk about a couple of other, um, um, two basic other businesses. Okay, okay. And right, I'm going to talk about a pizza business and I'm going to talk about a service business, which is plumbers, cutting hair, things like that, right? Um, but in the service business, let's just talk about, um, like hairdressers or, uh, people who, um, uh, are in the beauty part of the hair salon business, you know, now who was your audience? First of all, your market for that is obviously women who, uh, uh, 
want to look good, right? But your cost now that's a huge, that's a pretty big market. Now, how do you reach your audience or your customers? Um, and I'll ask you the question, what what age customer do you think is the easiest one to sell to, Mike? Easiest to sell to 18 to 35. Yeah, 18 to 35. 18 to 25. Yeah. So they're willing to try new, they're willing to... Now, anybody that's found a hair, a person that they like playing their part, they're going to keep going back to it. And the, you can't get them as a customer. So I'd rule them out as, as, as part of your audience. You need to go after new customers. Okay. So young, young people and do something that attracts young people. And you got to keep in mind that per, in the hair hair business for, uh, for women, when, when a Somebody sits down in, in one of those chairs. It's gonna, if it involves color, if it involves any kind of style, they're dropping a lot of money to look good, right? Right. So you build your customer base up. I would say your audience one at a time, and you get somebody in there, and they will then tell somebody else. And you you measure, uh, you you always ask people, well, you know, thank you for coming into my shop. How did you hear about us? And they'll tell you my friend told me, right? But you need to reach out to, and you need to art, advertise and market to people that's in that age group. Uh, the, the people in that age group do not listen to radio. They do not watch TV. They don't listen to any traditional. They don't read print. Um, uh, they don't do any tradition. Tra what I would call traditional. Um, ways to market to. So you got to find way, things that they're doing that you could reach out to them. So, yeah, no, I, you find a lot of those people that they sitting on Instagram, they on TikTok, they, they doing a lot of YouTube, but, the, but the, even so with them, you just have to kind of craft a message to match the platform. Well, you, the, first of all, with them, as you know, that those are big, those are big areas. And most of the people that are going to visit, your shot are going to live within two miles of your shot. So you need to narrow it down to a very small, narrow marketplace. And you're going to find out there aren't that many people in that market that, um, but you, you still need to reach out to them one at a time on those kind of, um, things. So, uh, uh, you know, if I was doing here, I would do like an Instagram thing and, um, make it really like a little special thing, not make it last long, but my name would be really important. And I would make it a deal that the person couldn't refuse. So once you get the customer, a lot of people go, well, I'm not going to give my service away. But you really, once you get a customer, they're going to come back to you at least six or seven or eight times a year. Right. Um, now, the plumbing business, which you mentioned, is a completely different audience. But once again, it is customers within a geographical area of where you're doing your plumbing. Um, if you are in, like I'm, you know, live in Cambridge, um, you know, I could, I could recruit plumbers from the towns around me. So I would say most of the time it's in a five mile radius of where I'm living. And for commercial plumbing versus residential plumbing, there's two different kinds of 
audiences for commercial plumbing, you're looking, you, you, if you're a commercial uh, person, you're looking for people who need just traditional commercial plumbing um, so that when there's something going on, they know that they're calling you. So you need to sign them up and go and be with them and say, and don't charge them any money. Just say, I'd like to be a commercial plumber. What does this cost? Nothing. You just got to let me know and I'll be here in an hour. Take care of everything you need. What do you charge now? I'll let them know. You know, will you give them terms? Yes. Because most of the commercial places don't like paying for things immediately. So they like invoices. So you got to answer all those questions. Residential customers, um, uh, you know, let's just say you got to, you know, clogged up something or other. You're going to call anybody that you find out on the internet. You know, and you're going to go after, you're going to go after cheap and fast. Yeah. Um, now, if you're in the pizza business or in a, you know, food business, uh, if you move your pizza place to a, a place where there's a lot of other pizza places, uh, the chances of you succeeding are very small. Um, if you move your pizza place to a place where there's no pizza places, the chances of you succeeding are going to be great. I don't care, you know, where that might be in Vermont. I lived in a town where you couldn't get pizza. I had to drive 10 miles to the closest pizza place, and they didn't deliver. Um, and once a pizza place moved in closer, I always see that place, you know. Um, and... Uh, so you could do really well in, in suburbs and in, you know, even rural areas. Uh, the, the population may not be great, but you could definitely do well if there's no other uh, food service in that area serving. Now, if you're serving like Chinese dumplings in the middle of some agricultural community, no one's going to know what you're selling. You know? But if you've got a Chinese restaurant, it's easy to get to. They're going to pout it because people just like Chinese food. Right. So, yeah. So those are a couple of different examples of audiences in market um, in markets that you're going after. You made me think of, think of something. So what what if you're in a crowded marketplace and it's super competitive? Like what can a business do? Let's, let's just say it's, it's multiple pizza shops. Like what can a business owner do to stand out, or what can a business owner do to get the audience to choose them over a competitor? I, w- I, I wouldn't do. I just wouldn't do it. Okay. I wouldn't order. I wouldn't open a pizza place in a place in a place where there are a lot of other pizza places to choose from. It just people again are creatures of habit. They're going to buy their pizza from the same place all the time, and you're competing with you know Pizza Hut, you know, and all those pizza commercial pizzas. They look awesome on TV, their commercials and stuff. And you can offer like extra special, but you still got to go out and market to that audience, which is expensive and compete with all the other people you're competing with. So if you open where there's no other places, one will spread a meeting. Got it. Makes sense. You could, okay. put, up, you could put up one thing at a telephone pole. And, and it'll spread. Someone's going to walk past and go, they got a pizza place in town. And then someone's going to start calling each other. They're going to just be so excited. You know, uh, there's a lot of... No, no, go ahead. But, well, there's a lot of times people think like, well, I just make the best pizza. That's what I want to do. Well, again, I suggest you move to a place where there's nobody else that you have to compete with. And who's saying you're making the best pizza? You know, right. It's like a whole thing. And if you really want to get in the food business, 
my daughter's uh uh about i think five years ago um she wanted to get out of ups she had a really good job working with ups and i suggested to her to open up a food cart business not a food truck business now a food cart business is when you pull a food cart on a trailer and you don't have the big food truck. And you could pretty much do everything on a cart as you could do on a food truck. Food trucks average, they start around 80 grand a year just for the food truck, okay? And uh, food carts, you can get a brand new one for 10 grand. Okay. And, um, and that's a bigger one than my daughter has. And my daughter doesn't pay anything for rent because she, she parts in front of private places. Like you'll see food carts in front of uh, big box stores like uh, Home Depot or something like that. You'll see food trucks on the side of the road, um, you know, and, but they're not paying, you know, they're not paying for any, you know, rent. Right. Yeah. Um, so uh, if you want to get into the food business, you could really... Uh, get in through the fruit cart business and develop your reputation and grow it from there. So if you were in a, you know, a really area where a lot of people like, you know, around here where I live, there's lots of bakeries and you, uh, I don't know if bakeries is a good example because I really do think you need to start early in the morning, but uh, my daughter does like breakfast sandwiches. She does amazing breakfast sandwiches. And um, she specializes in breakfast and um, orders really from the best bakery and does does well every every week. And she's into catering now. And she's into where people just order online. They just come and pick up the food. And she went into an area that there really are not a lot of restaurants where people could get picked from. Okay. Uh, so we particularly picked that market a food truck, a food cart, and not our audience. We said, let's go into an area where there's a lot of people, where there's not a lot of competition, because you can't screw up. You really can't. And she's a, she's a pretty young girl. So while the, there's, they're building a lot of buildings and all the construction guys come over and buy a lot of stuff from her, and the office people take their break and come by and see her and like you know, stuff like that. So, 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 so basically, if you're in a competitive space. You have to find like a void in the market or, or go where there's not as many people doing what you do. Um, and then that, that way you, you stand out, but then you just deliver the goods. You give people what they want and need and make it convenient for them. It, it, it almost, and I always say this about marketing. Marketing brings attention to the thing that you're doing. You want to, you want to, once they, once you have that attention, the way you keep it is by, offering amazing service on uh, a decent product or service that people would actually want to buy again. Right. So what, so John, what, what if let's just say someone identifies a market, they, they identify an audience, but for some reason that product or service isn't selling, what could be some of the problems there and, and how could they address that? Well, the reason why the product isn't selling is probably only a couple of different reasons. One is a lot of people think I've got a really great product. Now people are going to come in and buy it. And that is just not true. You could have the best product and people are not going to buy it because most of the time people don't know what the best product is. 
um, there's a lady who does a pop-up. Um, there's a pop-up store in my neighborhood, really cool little one, and she sells pillows. Now, um, like pillows you put on your couch or something. Now, when's the last time you had a discussion with your wife and said, we need some pillows? I think the pillows we got came with this, the couch set. <laughs> yeah, that's when you get the pillows. So, you know, the neighborhood I live in, I could see somebody maybe going, I could hand some new pillow, you know, I guess. But well, she's got a great pillow. Yep. And she's never going to sell pillows, ever. And I feel sorry for her. So, um, now if she turned that pillow into a gift item, she might have a shot. Because if people could buy a pillow and send it out to a friend, you know, you don't have to put it in your own couch, right? Makes sense. So the reason why people fail when they're in a marketplace is because they're not doing their, usually they're going after, they're not thinking of their market correctly. And um, they think if they their product is so good, people should just buy it. Those are not true. Your, your product could be fair and people would buy it. Yeah, you know when I, you know when I learned that, I really, really kind of grasped on the end of that. This was like when tablets were just becoming popular, and and I wanted to get a tablet for my son. He was like, I don't know, four or five at the time. Didn't even need one. I just wanted him to be able to watch like his his shows. And there was like a Apple tablet, and there was a Samsung Samsung tablet, and then there was like a ninety nine dollar no name tablet. And because it was for my, my kid and I figured he'd break it, I got the no-name tablet, right? And then I realized, like, whoa, I just, two of the most well-known brands I refused to get because this the problem that I had was just like a tablet for my kid's probably going to break it. So I don't want to spend three $400 right. at the $99 tablet. And that's, that's when I realized, like, and sometimes even you could have the best market it. But if your if your product or service doesn't match the 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 problem, your solution doesn't match the problem in the person's head, they're still not going to choose you. They're not going to choose you, unless, of course. It, and by the way, the population that would buy the most expensive tablet for their four year old is small. They're certainly wealthy individuals, but. Even those wealthy individuals do not want their kids to be on electronics. Right. So, uh, uh, yeah. So it just you know, well, the, like I, I'm on the board of this local school, and I'm, and you know, some of the parents are very wealthy, and uh, they don't buy the most expensive stuff. Right. So you know they, they're. You know, they got the money to, but they don't see the need to. Mm-hmm. Now, you would, I don't know why you would buy the most, you would buy the most expensive Michael Jordan stickers, wouldn't you? Well, when I was younger, not not now. Now I buy the stock at Nike. <laughs> I know, right? When you're younger, you would buy the most expensive Michael Jordan stickers, right? Right. Because they're important to you. You'd also buy, you know, some expensive brand name stuff. Cause it's a you know because you think that people like brands you have to look good quote unquote look good well or you believe that if you spend the money it would make you look good but it doesn't really make you look good because nobody knows what a good Michael like, 
I know guys know what a good Michael Jordan is, but it, I, I just don't understand it. It just, yeah, no, I, and, but that's what I'm, that's what I'm getting at, John. I think even with, even understanding your audience, understanding your market, having a good product or service, you still have to understand the wants and needs of the potential customer. Because even with that, understanding their wants and needs and their desires, it helps you craft the right marketing message to tell them about your thing. Because ultimately that marketing message has to, has to convey the point that your thing solves a problem that they have in their head at the price point they're willing to spend. And I think once you get those things correct, they buy. Oh, they'll buy. And you know what? You will you will do well with the Michael Jordan sticker store at Christmas time. Birthdays, you know, because kids are going to ask for it. They just, right. do, you know, if they don't care about the price, no, about the expensive jerseys, they want the, you know, the autumn, you know, anyways, that's pretty much definitely true. That's why young people are easy to sell to, you know, they just, right. The logic's not there. It's all, it's more emotional buying. <laughs> yeah, it's the it's the young guys buying the cologne in the like the Macy's department store. <laughs> you know. It's the peacock and John is peacock and you gotta attract the ladies. You gotta smell good, you gotta look good, you gotta dress well, you know, you gotta have the nice haircut. I never needed that. <laughs> <laughs> well that well see, everyone didn't have it like you, John. So we had to we had to put on our John Sotino look. No, no, that's not no, I, you know what? I, I will say that um, uh, I do think, like most people that are into looking good, a lot of the times younger people go for the brand. I wouldn't say most, but, you know, but there are a lot of people who are young that buy something because it makes them look good. Right. They recognize that this, you know, dress or shoes or something just makes me look good and they feel good in it. And um, uh, that's a cool feeling. Yeah. All right, John, I'm gonna wrap it up with this. I wanted to say what my favorite thing that really resonated with me when you when you were talking about the guys that bought and how you, and, and it's on, you, really, you really understood that persona, that person, that guy that needs a gift and that needs a message to go with this thing. And I think if more people, when they think about their audience in the market and really understand the desire that those people have, who they identify as their people and understand how to communicate with them, I think a lot of people could have the type of success that you had selling the teddy bears. I always, anytime I go into schools and I talk about you, I go, this guy turned teddy bears into a $120 million company. And they go, what? How did he do that? And they go, well, he was brilliant at marketing messages. And he was brilliant at connecting his people with the, with the product or service through him uh, solving the problem they had. And then and then it makes it makes so much sense because a lot of the kids they do like these pitch competitions now where they have to make up a product and try to get people to to want it. And and I always use you as an example because when when people have teddy bears, it's it's a simple thing. Or like I use Mike Kirich make candle and candles or David Klein jelly belly jelly beans and jelly beans. And because no, no it's, when the product doesn't seem as complicated, I think people are able to see the genius behind what you what you guys were able to accomplish by just putting simple messages in front of the right people. And I'm I'm always I'm always uh, 
a big John Tortino fan in the thought. I always talk about you, John. But that's why. So I you're welcome. But that's why, because I, I think like what you three have in common to me is and it's something that I do and something that I teach, that uncanny ability to simplify market and then simplify the messaging and just pulling the barriers away so the people that would actually buy your thing could just see clearly how what you have to offer is perfect for them. And I think if the audience that's listening can understand that, I think it'll it'll go right along with the lines of marketing and cupcakes, which is all about simplifying um, marketing. So with that, I want to um, invite everybody, if you're not a part of the marketing and cupcakes community yet, you know, that community is a community that's all about teaching marketing and business in simple ways. I want you to join the thousands of people that already joined the community. To do that, just text 413-251-6762. Text the keyword MAC, and you'll be a part of our amazing community. You'll always know when the new podcast um, episodes come out, blog articles, magazines, everything marketing and cupcakes, you'll be in the loop. So make sure you do that. Text MAC to 413 413- Two five one six seven six two. Until the next episode. Time is the most valuable commodity. Thank you for spending some time with us. Peace.